Sometimes to find freedom, you've got to start a rebellion. Woo! Rebel Parents. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Thank you for listening. Thanks for commenting on iTunes. And thank you for telling your friends about the program. You know, rarely in life and fortunately often on Rebel Parenting, we get to have great conversations. Today is no different. You are going to love today. Shannon Martin is a best-selling author of the book Falling Free, Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted. Man, when I heard that title, it struck a nerve with me. It, it brought me right back to the movie Mom's Night Out. Sean Astin and the girl from Grey's Anatomy, I'm sorry I forget you, uh, and my favorite, Angela Johnson, Manny Ray's, uh, so many great people in there. But in the beginning of that, the mom, uh, played by the girl from Grey's Anatomy, is sitting in the closet. She said, I have everything I always dreamed, and I'm unhappy. And I thought, that's right. And that's what this book, uh, that subtitle uh, said to me, rescued from the life I always wanted. You know, we feel crazy at times. We feel crazy about our life and crazy when you argue with your kids. And sometimes following the Lord makes you feel crazy, or at least other people think you are. And I was so blessed by Shannon this week that she was open and vulnerable and honest and had a real conversation about what it looks like to follow God. The highs, the lows, everything in between. So please join me in this great Rebel Parenting episode with Shannon Martin. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the program today. Laura and I love your book. It sparked so many great conversations for us, and we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shannon, this is Rebel Parenting, and your book spoke to us because our tagline is, to find freedom, sometimes you have to start a rebellion. And I feel like your book spoke to that in our lives so much because you started a rebellion in your life. For those that don't know, we're talking about your book, Falling Free. I love, I love the subtitle rescued from the life I always wanted. Mm. For our listeners that haven't read your book, tell us a little bit of your story. What what sparked that rebellion? Where were you? And uh, give us a little bit about where you are today. Sure. You know, you say that I, we kind of started a rebellion. The funny thing is that that I feel very much like the rebellion was started for us. <laughs> you know, we got to decide if we wanted to be on board with that or if we wanted to just retreat into comfort and safety and what we knew. Mm. Um, these are choices that my husband, Corey, and I, we, we still say all of the time, we would never have known to choose any of this. And so we're grateful. And that's kind of where that subtitle comes from, Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted, because now we can look back and say, wow, you know, we really were rescued. We are mm. now living the life that we always wanted, but we didn't know that we wanted it yet. Um, so what happened? So oh, yeah. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. So what transferred? How? When did you decide that life was going to look different? Yeah, the life you had wasn't the one that you wanted. You thought it was, and then you got there, yeah. and it's like, ooh, I don't like this anymore. Well, you know, we were living very much the, the very typical um, evangelical American dream. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. You know, we were busy um, doing everything that we had been taught to do. So we were somewhat, we weren't newly married, but you know, we were, we're, we're still young. You know, we were in our thirties mm-hmm. starting our family. One of the biggest initial surprises to us long before the quote rebellion began, um, 
God gave us the gift of infertility, mm-hmm. and that was not yeah. something that we ever really knew to expect or, you know, we didn't see that coming. Yeah. But that was kind of our entry point now we can see into just adapting to the thought that perhaps God's plans for our life were different than the plans we had for ourselves. So mm. our family was built through adoption. And what was that like to- when you were going through the middle of that? You know, you've got this dream. I think people, I think lots and lots of couples find themselves exactly where you were at. You know, you meet somebody yeah. and you've got this plan. Laura and I had this vision for our life. We were living in San Clemente, California. We could see the ocean from our front door. We were going to surf every day. We're going to surf and have (laughs) babies and be in ministry. And then everything changed. And it was like, wait a minute, that was the dream I've always had. I don't know what the future looks like anymore. What was that like for you guys? You know, it was just, it was unexpected. Mm. I mean, I think Mm. nobody wants to borrow that trouble. So you always, you know, we grow up and as a woman, I knew other people, not many, but some people who had faced infertility, at least that I had known of, um, but I but I never borrowed that trouble. And so you you go into marriage and you know you get to the place where you're ready to start your family. We were ready for that later than a lot of the people around us. So we had been married for maybe seven years or so. Yeah, yeah. When we were all of a sudden like, okay, well now we're ready. So now we're just going to go ahead and get pregnant and start our family. You know, yeah. That's kind of the way that goes. And so when it didn't happen. We were thrust into the world of, you know, infertility specialists and doctors and visits and appointments and Mm. all of these things. And we had a wonderful doctor who just walked us through everything and was pretty conservative with the way he handled treatments and things like that. Mm. And I remember him, you know, he would give us all the statistics and let us know what was going on. And we were to the place where we could have gotten a bit more aggressive. And, you know, it was just one of those defining moments where, I was just tired of it. I was over it. We were spending money with no guarantees. And I remember just crying at the doctor's office and telling Corey, my husband, I'm done. I'm yeah. just done. So, yeah. you know, I, it was kind of like God flipped a switch and we were, we basically walked out of there, never walked back in and, and knew we are on the path now to adoption. Yeah. We didn't know anything about adoption. We didn't know people even that had adopted much. I mean, we knew a couple of people, but, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, it was very different even mm-hmm. than it is mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So, you know, we were just on a new path and we had a lot of questions. And I remember telling our adoption specialist, you know, we don't care where the baby's from. It doesn't matter to us. We didn't realize that you have to choose those things. We were just like, Give us a baby. Yeah. yeah. Give us one. End goal. We want a baby, right? right. That's what, yeah. so I remember our doctor told us that, you know, at the end of the day, if you go home with a baby, you win. Right. Um, so, yeah. Shannon, this is the point in the book where I want to unpack a, a thought or maybe a theme that Laura and I kept coming up with and our producer, Kristen, kept coming up with in the book. Um, Laura and I went through a season of infertility, and we tried to go the adoption route as well. It didn't work out for us, but we have friends that have gone through infertility, and they did do a lot of invasive things, and they did spend you know, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars And they would say, our child is worth every penny and a thousand times this. I think one of the themes in your book is it's different for everyone. This is not a prescription book. It's not a A plus B equals C. Everyone follows the same thing. You're all going to end up in in a great place. So when you talk to people that are struggling with infertility and they're like, I don't know, know, we really want a child. You didn't choose to go the invasive route or the more invasive route. Yeah. How does somebody know which 
road to take when we do enter a lot of these different subjects? How do we hear from the Lord in a way, maybe it's new to us. Maybe we haven't been listening to the Lord for a long time and we really want to know what the Lord wants us to do and we're just, how do you hear that? You know, for for us, honestly, part of that answer was just the sheer reality of our finances. So we were at a place where, um, you know, it was going to start requiring us to accumulate some debt. And that's just not a place that we were willing to go. Mm -hmm. So that was just a very, you know, basic, I I feel like a lot of the choices that we've made have been guided by the hand of God in just very normal ways. So it hasn't been a case where we've had to really, you know, decipher a lot of hidden codes or anything like that, but just God uses our regular lives to, to teach us and to lead us and to grow us up. And Mm so that was kind of the initial thought is like, okay, well, we're, we don't really have more money at this point. Um, and of course, adoption is a very expensive thing too. Yeah. But, but for us, it was just that situation of either way, we're going to have to figure out, you know, a way to handle these finances. But in one case, we are guaranteed a child. And in the other case, we're not. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make it sound overly simplistic. Yeah. I just think that, like you said, God has each of us on a different journey, and yeah. I'm so grateful for that, that, that it's not a one-size-fits-all you know, one size fits all story. Um, I know a lot of, of friends and people in my life that have gone you know, a different route, and they haven't adopted, or you know, their family has been built in different ways. And I think it, that's just like God, to, to work things out that way. Yeah, I like that one too, because that was a deal-breaker for you guys. You just weren't willing to go into more debt. So in yeah. a way— you know, our mentors have a thing called inquire of the Lord, you know, when you're asking God. But yes, you had already done that because you had decided as a couple and, you know, for you all, you weren't going to go into more debt. And this was one of those things of, well, we this is unsure and we've decided this already. And so, yes, that's how you heard from the Lord in a way, right? Absolutely. You know, and and again, this doesn't always happen this way, but Corey and I were very much on the same page. So mm. we just had this this sense of peace, like, okay, so we're going to adopt then. I remember just feeling really joyful in that moment. You know, I went from just so sad to like, okay, we're turning a corner. We don't know where this is going to lead or where it's going to end, but we feel the hand of God directing us in this new path. And it's one of those things that can be hard to um, really articulate other than we just knew, you know? Mm. So what was the turning point um, for you guys to move? I mean, that's what I was yeah. so curious about. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, so yes, yeah. years later, after the after we had started our family, we had two small children at the time. We were in the process of adopting our third child at the time. Mm. We sat down and listened to the strangest chain of events. This is years ago. We sat down after our kids were in bed one night and started listening to an online sermon series by David Platt. And it's the sermon series that ended up becoming the book Radical. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. We we do. We love that book. We've talked to David and we felt themes of Radical in this book. And I'm I'm so happy to hear that's where it came from because we we really admire him and we've really been pondering a lot of that book. Um, So you start listening to this book Radical. Yeah. You know, this is before the book was even written and it was, we had never heard of David Platt. I mean, in every possible way, this was just completely out of left field. We had never in our lives sat down in the evening and listened to a sermon series online. You know, we've just never done this before. (laughs) So that, and it was a long series. So that first night 
I remember we just shut down the computer when it was over and we kind of just staggered into bed. Mm. I mean, we felt honestly heavy. Um, so we just kind of trudged in. We were both very quiet and just this feeling and, you know, the Holy Spirit was at work and we didn't really even know that. We were just like, uh-oh, you know, what's going on? God was moving in our hearts in a big way just that, that first hour of listening. And so we, we continued to work our way through that series. In the middle of it, we flew to South Korea and brought our third child home. Oh. And he came home heartbroken. So this is our third adoption. And it was just so different than the first two. We were very unprepared for his grief and his sorrow. Oh, yeah. And it really, it, it just unhinged our family yeah. in a lot of ways. How old was he? Um, he was 18 months old. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it's, it's like the, one of the hardest things for me to talk about, but mm. it was just a really hard time. And then a month after that, you know, we continue listening to this David Platt series and I started saying to Corey, you know, I feel like God wants us to sell our house. We were living in this beautiful dream farmhouse that we had only been in for a few years mm. and it was the place we thought we would live basically forever. Right. You know, this is our forever home on six acres. It was gorgeous. And Corey kept saying, no, 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 you're overreacting. <laughs> you know, he's, he's the level-headed one. I'm the more emotional one. Um, but a month after we brought Silas home, I was working under a government contract at the time. The administrations had changed not long before that. Mm. And my government contract was canceled. So I was suddenly without a job. And I was half of our household income oh, at yeah. that okay. time. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, we kind of knew to expect that at some point. And honestly, we felt like, okay, you know, Silas needs all, you, all Silas and our other two children, Calvin and Ruby, they need all of our attention right now. So this is okay. Everything's okay. You know, sure. you do that self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a month later, my husband, who worked for a United States congressman, his boss very suddenly and dramatically resigned mm. without warning. Whoa. And so within two months, we brought home our child. And bo we both lost our jobs. Oh, wow. My goodness. Now that's calling unhinged. Yeah. That was. And I you've got a sad child. Falling out. You've we got an 18 a, month old who yeah. doesn't speak English, can't communicate right. well with you, but is experiencing deep and profound grief. And yep. you can feel that. And oh, you have the oh, idea to yep. sell the house. Oh, Shannon. Right. Right. So that's when I remember the night. I mean, I said it so many times, even after Corey lost his job, you know, Corey was still saying everything's fine. You know, he was very well connected in his mm. work and. You know, we just knew it was not going to be a big problem. He would find a new job. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And one night I said again, I think we are supposed to sell our house. And Corey said, I think you're right. And I just burst into tears oh. because he got his line wrong. He was supposed to say, no, Shannon, yeah. right. you're overreacting. We're fine. And yeah. so the day he agreed, I knew, uh-oh, this is happening. Yeah, no more playing it safe. Whoa. Yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't really even at that point – a financial decision and that's where our pride kind of got in the way as yeah. it is prone to doing because now it was a matter of what is everybody going to say you know so they, everybody knows we've lost our jobs we mm. have this third child now we're putting our dream farmhouse on the market and people are going to think you know are yep. they going bankrupt you're What's destitute going on? yeah right. Yeah. It By was the way, really thank you hard. for sharing this. Can I just say it again? Thank you for sharing this and being vulnerable. Thank you for being honest about that. I mean, I quit my job in January and I have had the thought that's, that you're talking about so many times in my head because all of our friends know that I'm quote unquote out of work. And, right. you know, when you start selling things, it's like, but people are all going to assume this and you've got to come with grips with, well, that may not be true. I just can't control what other people think. It's so hard though it's, it's so, so hard. hard it's so hard to confront 
for me, it was so hard to confront my own sense of pride and my own sense of status. And, you know, we had been, we had positioned ourselves to be kind of the model couple. We both had these great jobs. We had a beautiful home. We had this really unique and beautiful family. Everything was just, you know, we were just swimming along and then things just start falling away and falling away. Mm. And it's, you know, God never showed us much in advance. So it was always just, this is the next step, guys. This is it. And, and I'm, that's all I'm going to show you right now. Mm. And we now know that that's because he loves us. And yeah. he knows that we could never have handled the whole <laughs> picture in one big bite. You know, he broke it up for us. And that was gracious. Um, but it's just so much of stepping into the unknown and, and coming to a place of understanding. It does not matter if nobody else thinks we're doing the right thing right now. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the important part about learning to listen to the Lord when, you know, Tim and Ann Evans, our mentors, they have a thing, their book together about green lights. Both you and Corey had a green light about selling the house. And that's the important part because then one member isn't going in with resistance or resentment or, you know, all those things. So I imagine the next bite of that meal was a little bit of shocking too, because you know all of a sudden you've lost your jobs and you've got a new child and he's sad and you both agree mm-hmm. yes we should sell the house. Then the Lord reveals the next piece of that pie. What was that like for you? And explain it to our audience. Well, the the very next piece of the pie is that after we were on board with this plan, it then took 18 months for that house to sell. Ooh. So that's the that's where all these voices of reason mm. came into play. And, you know, everybody around us kind of trying to convince us that we were wrong and that mm. we were hearing God wrong and that surely God would never, ever ask this of us. So for 18 months, we got to kind of, you know, draw closer together as a couple and as a family, draw near to the Lord and come to that understanding of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if nobody gets this. This is what we're being called to do. But that was a hard 18 months. Um, and I think it was important because Silas needed that time mm-hmm. to, to settle in. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, see, I see God's graciousness all over that time as well. But it was also kind of like, okay, God, couldn't you, like, make this a little easier for us? People already think we're crazy, and now nothing's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. You know? Well, it's yeah. tough, too. You've got a kid that was adopted. He went from his birth mom to the foster farm in South Korea yeah. to your home. And then the Lord was like, hey— Let's not do one more move for this kid right right now. You both have green lights, and that's great. Here's a stretch of your faith, and we're going to sit here for a little while longer. That's tough, too, when you think, well, we both have green lights. We heard from the Lord, and the house isn't selling. Maybe we didn't hear from the Lord. Oh, and we certainly went through that. I mean, those 18 months, there was a a lot of crying happening in in my home from various members of the family. And sometimes it was Silas. <laughs> right. Sometimes, a lot of times it was Silas. Yeah. A lot of times it was his mommy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of, you know, that fear, that doubt. And then we came to the place of understanding, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe while we're here, because, you know, we're, we've got all of these, these truths just reverberating in our souls through David Platt and mostly through the gospel, the Bible of, you know, we have to be caring for the poor and the marginalized. We've got to be out there in the world way more than we are now. We're very much in a bubble. Mm. Um, but it was almost like we started to think like, well, I guess we can't do anything until this house sells. And then we realized, wait a minute, maybe God has purpose for us right here, right now. And the door opened for us to welcome a 16-year-old into our farm while we were still there. And she lived with us for about a year. Um, and God just kind of began to show us that he had work for us to do while we waited. In the waiting. Mm. Mm. 
Yes. And that was a really eye-opening and just a really wonderful place for us to start. And then, you know, as you alluded to earlier, then we, you know, very suddenly after 18 months of waiting, then the house sells and we're scrambling like, okay, what's going on? Um, We knew very strongly that God was calling us to a particular neighborhood in a nearby city that was positioned on the wrong side of the tracks. Mm -hmm. Most of the homes on our block at that time were abandoned. It was just a whole new world for us. Wow. You go from this farmhouse, this dream, you know, with six acres and all this land to kind of a ghetto in a way. Yeah. And and now the people that thought you were crazy just for selling your house have to be going bananas. Shannon, in the book, you talk about taking your kids to this new neighborhood and going to the park and just getting confronted over and over and over again. Talk about how you deal with that, hearing all the voices of those around you, trying to hear the voice of the Lord, and then getting confronted head on with where you're deciding to move. Yeah, you know, that's when people kind of lost their minds on our behalf. (laughs) There was a lot of confusion and a lot of people that just did not understand and you know one of the one of the things that really threw people for a loop is our kids we calvin our oldest at the time was the only one in school but our daughter was starting kindergarten that fall and they were in one of the best school districts in the entire state of indiana and now we are moving into a public school that at the time had a failing grade So one of the poorest performing schools in the state. And that was hard Mm. for people. And honestly, you know, that's where doubts bubbled up in us again as well, because you hear all these people telling you you're putting your kids at risk. You know, maybe you're just trying to get attention at your kids expense. I mean, we heard so many things coming our way. And it was that moment of, you know, spending a little time in the neighborhood and at the park um, what, before we actually moved into our new home and seeing the reality of where we were landing, we just weren't prepared for it. Nothing in our our safe Christian life and our beautiful Christian upbringings, nothing had prepared us for this. We did not know how to deal. Um, and we were at risk at that point of just slamming on the brakes in fear um, until we really began to seek and understand that God does not speak to his people through fear. He just doesn't. Mm. So, you know, we were, I I think God allows us to do things scared. And I I think that that fear is just such a normal emotion. We get to hand that over to the Lord and say, listen, we're terrified here, but if you say so, you know, and, and he walks through that with us. And Mm. so, yeah, we moved into the neighborhood. The kids started school right up the block and it's, it's harder for me to give a really accurate representation now because we've been here for several years now. It's very much home, Yeah. but it was just, it was a lot of adjustment um, and just tr- finding our feet in this new community, trying to figure out even just how to have neighbors. I mean, we had come from a place where we really, our neighbors were far away, you know, cross fields. And now we have people just slammed right up next to us. Um, it was just, it was new in every way, but it was, it was beautiful so, immediately. So what does it look like now, like in your neighborhood? What does a day look like with your new neighbors and the yeah, life you're you know, living now? So we knew that when we moved here, God was not calling us to plant a church or to start a neighborhood Bible study or to start a food bank. You know, a lot of our neighbors, not all of them, but many of them live in poverty in deep generational poverty. Mm. Um, We knew that the needs were going to be tremendous here, but we knew that we were not coming to start a thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Lots of Christians do that. 
Right. And it does. And many of them are called to do that. Yeah, we totally. So we knew, okay, we're just here to be a neighbor, but first we, you know, God's going to have to walk us through this learning to be a neighbor thing, because for one thing, Corey and I are both pretty strongly introverted. So this idea of suddenly having just people around a lot and, you know, ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door, um, constant traffic, it was just a, like a, it kind of jarred our senses. Mm. Um, and, and we just, we just let our roots start growing down. You know, the roots yeah. just kept going down and down. We began to make friends in the neighborhood. Um, our kids just found their groove at school. We got involved with the neighborhood association, with PTO. We, our, our instinct was to just get involved in whatever way we could with things that were already happening, mm. not to come and start our new thing, yeah. but to just be a part of what was already going on here. So we joined the church at the end of the block. It's a United Methodist church. Neither of us had ever been Methodist before, but it was like, okay, this church is in the neighborhood yeah. and we, this is what, this is what we're doing. So we just jumped in. Um, and now four years later, you know, our neighborhood is very transient. We have a lot of rental homes, a lot of really rundown rental homes. So people are moving in and out a lot of times. Um, that's something that we're just learning to deal with. We've had sure. friends that, you know, are addicted to drugs um, that we've become very close to. And, you know, as our oldest son, Calvin, our, well, not our oldest son, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but our, our oldest little kid yeah started middle school this year and oh, so that's yeah. brought in just a whole new group of kids and friends and you know it's just a very it's a very normal life here for us in the city yeah um, it's noisy and it's sometimes chaotic and um, there's a lot happening there's a lot that we're a part of we stay pretty busy and this is just being being our neighbor here in this neighborhood is the dream of a lifetime we see so much of god and his kingdom through our neighbors oh shannon you know we've got a couple minutes left i, I want to ask if you'll stick around and do a bonus episode for us because there's so many more things we want to talk about about raising oh, sure. kids in that environment but for those listening that are like <clears throat> man i don't know i don't know if i can listen to the lord like that what if he calls me to the inner city or what if he calls me to the deepest darkest africa for those people, talk about where you are now internally. Talk about the anxiety or the stress levels. I mean, you know, it's rescuing, yeah. you know, the book title, it's um, rescued from the life I always wanted. Talk about where you were in that stress and that anxiety compared to where you are today. What's it feel like to be Shannon Martin today versus then? Because the people that are like, you're crazy, you're in the inner city, you left your acres, you <laughs> left your nice house, all of this. And now you're peaceful and you're happy and you're connected yeah. and you're plugged in and, and those things. Yeah. You know, we realized early into this whole journey that God's more for us was going to look like less. Mm. So in almost every way, financially, with our home, with our status, with our pride, with our plans, mm. with our church, I mean, on and on and on, God's more for us was going to look like losing something hmm. in, in all of these different areas. And so now here we are, we have so much less of the things and the status that we once had, the, the financial security that we once had. And we just have so much more in terms of what matters and in terms of the people in our life um, that we now call friends and family and our church community that, you know, we attend this little tiny dying church. We have maybe hmm. 30 or 40 people on a Sunday. And it's just, it is exactly where 
we were meant to be. It's where God put us. It's where he planted us. So we have found a great sense of peace here. But I will say we have also experienced probably more heartbreak and more sadness Mm. since living here than ever before. And I think that is just the, the reality of, you know, we feel more of everything. We feel more sadness because we are feeling the contact burns of the people around us that sort of live their lives on fire. You know, we stand near to them and their pain burns us and we feel that pain. But we see so much more of the hope of the glory of God. We see so much more of his goodness here in the land of the living. And I would never go back. Mm. Mm, I just think of, you know, following Jesus. I think sometimes in our Christian dome, we, we think that it's safe or it's easy. And you're just right. the perfect example of no, it's a struggle and it's, it's not safe. It's anything no, and it's, but safe. But it's worth it. Yeah. You know, that's Always. where you come to that, like, it is worth it. I would not, I, I would never, ever go back. And that is such a, a wonderful place to be. And I know, you know, we've learned through all of this not to say, not to make big declarations about the future. So I don't mm. know where I'm going to be five years from now, but I sure hope Smart. it's right here because I just, I've fallen in love with this community. Oh, it's fantastic. We love where you're at and we love this book, Shannon. And thank you for being on the broadcast with us today. Thank you. Was I right or was I right? We adored Shannon Martin. I hope you did too. If you'd like more information on Shannon or her book, we've got links in the show notes at rebelparenting.org. If something we talked about or something we ever talk about strikes a chord with you and you need a counselor, you can find a link to find one in your area also at rebelparenting.org. And lastly, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you're going to miss the rest of this broadcast. So, Go to our website, rebelparenting.org, sign up on iTunes, and hear the rest of this broadcast with the amazing and wonderful Shannon Martin. God bless. We'll see you next week.